0: I'm Scott. I'm Bill. And and we're, we're The, the Trade, trade Guys. Guys. You're listening to The Trade Guys, a podcast produced by CSIS, where we talk about trade in terms that everyone can understand. I'm H. Andrew Schwartz, and I'm here with Scott Miller and Bill Reinch, the CSIS Trade Guys. In this episode, President Trump picks up his Twitter megaphone to call out China as U.S.-China trade negotiations are set to resume in Shanghai this week. China is dying to make a deal with me, but whether or not I'll do it, it's up to me, it's not up to them. The president says China hasn't come through on its promise to buy U.S. agricultural products. Does this derail hopes for a major deal? And Democratic presidential candidate Senator Elizabeth Warren unveils how she'd handle trade policy if elected to the White House.
1: We've had a trade policy basically for decades, and it kind of boils down to this. Do whatever the giant multinational corporations want America to do. How's that been working out for us?
0: Plus, how might the issue of trade play out on the Democratic debate stage? You'll hear about all that and much more on this episode of The Trade Guys. The Trade Guys are back together. I'm back from vacation. Where'd you you go? I was in Malibu. I was camped out in Malibu, and it was- Tough life. Tough life, I know. And it was uh, hard to come back, I have to say. Hard to
1: come back. Climate's pretty ideal.
0: The climate is ideal, and it's it's interesting. Um, one of our cousins came to visit all the way from the valley, and when his speedometer, when he left his house in the valley, his speedometer said 99 degrees. When he got to our place in Malibu on the beach, his speedometer said 75 degrees, That is the difference. That is the magic of Malibu, Mm -hmm. gentlemen. So it was excellent being there. I'm refreshed. While I was gone, uh, suffered a personal loss. Uh, My close good friend, Art Neville of the Neville Brothers, passed away, and this podcast goes out to Art. um, Today in New Orleans uh, is a memorial service for Art. I'm really bummed out that I can't be there. For those of you who read uh, my evening newsletter um, know that Art was like a second grandfather to me. He came into my life when I was at Tulane University and was a presence thereafter and a really strong presence in my life. So uh, this goes out to Art's family, the Neville brothers, and uh, Art's kids, uh, Arthel and Ian, Art's wife, Lorraine, and, uh, you know, Art was the greatest. So all good things, um, all good things. Art was a really, really awesome guy. And you know, Art was a trade guy. He was really into trade policy because this was a guy who had been all over the world. And he was a guy who introduced me to Ed Bradley and no to kidding. really interesting people um, because he had been all over the world and he had traveled all over the world and met with really interesting people who um, knew a lot about business and commerce and the way things worked. And so whenever I was with art uh, in New Orleans or New York or Washington or, or elsewhere, uh in the United States. Interesting people always followed him and they would always be backstage. And so I always got to meet really interesting people when I was around art. And probably one of the most interesting people I ever met was Ed Bradley. Who was a huge, huge Neville Brothers fan. Really? Ed Bradley was the biggest Neville Brothers fan.
1: Well, musicians usually seek the largest audience that they can manage. And if they're from some other place, that's, that's all the better for a musician. So they, they're the, kind of the ultimate free traders. They're, they're expressing themselves via art, via their music, uh, to any, everyone who wants to listen. And, uh, and we can all appreciate it uh, no matter where we're from. So You know who else is pretty good at
0: commanding a mass audience? Our president, who this morning <laughs> tweeted about China. And he said, China is doing very badly. He said, worst in year 27, um, was supposed to start buying our agricultural product now. No signs they're doing so. That is the problem with China. They just don't come through. Our economy has become much larger than the Chinese economy in the last three years. He went on to say, my team is negotiating with them now, but they always change the deal in the end to their benefit. They should probably wait out our election, Trump said, to see if we get one of the Democrats stiffs like Sleepy Joe. I guess he's referring to Joe Biden.
2: That would be be. the only Joe in the race, I think. Sleepy Joe. Okay, That is true. He said
0: then, Trump said then, they could make a great deal like in the past 30 years and continue to rip off the USA even bigger and better than ever before. The problem with them waiting, however, is that if and when I win, the deal that they get will be much tougher than what we are negotiating now or no deal at all. We have all the cards. Our past leaders never got it. That's what President Trump tweeted this morning. Bill,
2: what are you going to say about this? Ugh. Well, there's so many different places to go. I'll uh, just say, really interesting, though, right? In a way, well, it's it it's there's a lot in there. I take part of it in a way as kind of a vindication of things we've talked about here, as far as timing is concerned. What he's sort of telegraphing is uh, this may take a long time. Yeah, and uh, we've talked about why it makes sense for him to let it take a long time. I mean, he's gonna blame it on the Chinese for taking a long time, and in one sense, he's right. I mean, they'll negotiate for 10 years if if, if nobody you know will, will pull the plug. But looking at it, he's put the United States in a situation where we've made demands that they're never going to agree to, not all of them. They'll never agree to, to everything. And so, you know, the choice at the end of the day is a weaker agreement, or continue the war, and What he's beginning to understand, I think, is in political terms, uh, if you're going to settle for a weaker agreement, which he will because he'll sell it as the greatest one ever. If you're going to do that, you do it as close to the election as you can. So people won't know it's terrible until after they voted. You know, you make an agreement next month or in October or September, and it's got a year to fall apart. You know, and people will find the loopholes. They'll discover the Chinese are not complying, and he's right about that. They're not going to comply. He'll be back talking about tariffs, and the Democrats will say, you've accomplished nothing. If he makes a deal in October of 2020, he'll say, it's the greatest deal ever. And nobody will know that it's not until December or January, and he's home free. So he's going to say, you know, they're stalling because they think a Democrat is going to win. I would argue he's stalling. Because it's a way to improve his political situation. I have a
0: question before Scott weighs in. Okay, two things. One, did Trump actually say he might not win in this tweet?
2: I heard you say if I didn't see that. He if. said if and he said
0: if and when I win. Yeah, he said uh, that's a hedge. Yes, okay. He, he also the said one. they, the Chinese, probably should wait out our election to see if we get one of the Democrats stiffs like Sleepy Joe. So he's thinking. Like he might, does that mean he thinks he might not win?
1: Look, I left my Rosetta Stone at home this morning, so I can't <laughs> consult it, but I did pay, take three things from that that I think are pretty consistent with the president's policy and messaging. First thing I took from it is that the current fight with China is benefiting the US and hurting China. His assessment of today's situation we're doing great, they're doing badly. That's well, an important and, and and the most, it, 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 which well, maybe which maybe, maybe say, may is not that, be
0: wrong is that right he said China's doing very badly it's their worst year in 27 years is
2: that true uh, in terms of GDP growth Yes, okay. I think that is right. It's slowed down. It's still, I mean, there's always the question of whether you believe their numbers, but their last quarter was, I think, 6.2%, yes. which is the slowest, uh, lowest in that but many years. But that doesn't years. sound very badly. That's I mean. still, you know, more than twice what we're doing. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, okay, but the point is, the first message, keep in mind, this is all about persuasion. First message, we're doing great, they're doing lousy. Okay, so... The okay, sub- I'll buy that we're doing great. Yes, and he, he, is, he basically is asserting... That they're doing lo- lousy. Yeah. The second point is, th- it's going to take time. In fact, he talked about not resolving this before the election, which is the first time he said something like that. Yeah. But because of point number one, we're doing great; they're doing lousy. That's okay. We don't need a resolution. Yeah. And then the third point he makes his campaign uh, commercial, which is to say, if you actually want to fix things with China, you got to stick with me and not any of these Democrat, whatever we call them. Those stiffs. Are, stiffs. Okay. Yeah. Those are the points. Okay. We're great. They're lousy. Continuing this situation, even if we don't get it, or we won't, he basically said, we're not going to get an agreement before the election, but don't worry because we're great. They're lousy. And if you actually care about us doing well, you're going to vote for me and not the stiffs because the Chinese would love to, love to have the stiffs and they're, they're fearful of me. That's, I, that's pretty simple. That's better than the 30-second ad. Yeah, and he said, you know, they've dealt with the Stiffs in the past, and they've taken advantage of the Stiffs. Yeah, they got rip- the U.S. Well, got ripped off. Well, his view
2: is everybody, you know, that all of his predecessors have been taken advantage of. Yeah, yeah, uh, and they've all made big mistakes.
1: And look, facts you don't know, facts don't really matter here, but that this is yeah. a campaign message. Well,
2: he's also completely ignoring. I mean, we're doing great, but there's a bunch of people that are not doing great, begin with the farmers, uh, and it's a direct Correct. consequence of the actions that he's taken with China.
0: And these farmers are his voters, and they're waiting for China to buy their stuff, which hasn't
2: happened. Yes, which is why he keeps complaining that they yes. haven't. Yes, and he, he did complain about that specifically. But in a way, that that's disturbing because in the spring when we were talking about this, I think we were saying – the biggest problem were the structural issues that we right. wanted China to change its economy, get rid of its subsidies, stop treating uh, the state-owned enterprises favorably. Those were the rock on which everything would, would fall apart. Now, it appears we can't even agree on what they're going to buy, mm-hmm. which was supposed to be the easy part. Well, look,
1: th- this has always been two tracks. There's a market access track, and there is a there is a sort of a domestic regulation track. The domestic regulation track, which is ch- you just stop cheating, stop ripping us off, has yeah. always been the hard part always been the part china doesn't want to do the american access buy more of our stuff that's been the part china has offered numerous times but i think the what china is asking for is if we buy more of your stuff stop bugging us about Stealing. domestic reform yeah okay and and i think the trump position is no
2: uh, one uh, position is no you got to do both y-
1: yes we want both that's, and that's a reasonable position that's been his, his
2: position from the beginning I yes mean, there's been different camps inside the administration there's the I don't know what you want to call them, the soft liners, if you will, say, let's make a deal, you know, and, and buy lots of stuff, mm-hmm. everybody be happy, right. move on. Uh, there's the other group, which is Lighthizer, Navarro, among others, would say, no, these structural issues are more important. Now is the time to attack them because we are strong. And they are weak. That's the theory. So now is the time to push.
0: They're weak because we say they're weak. I mean, do they say they're weak? You know,
2: I mean, that's That's what's asserted. And one of the dangers here is that, and somebody, I can't remember who it was, a different columnist just said this the other day, is that we may be heading into the most dangerous negotiation of all where each side thinks it's in the stronger position. Yes, That the Chinese see an election coming up over here. They don't have to worry about that. Uh, they right. see an election coming up. They think that our economy may slow down. They have thought for a long time that they are uh, ascendant and we are declining, that there may be blips in, in that trajectory. But we're on the way down. They're on the way up. They can afford to wait. Uh, and they have the stronger position. Meanwhile, Trump is saying exactly what you quoted him as saying: that we're great and they're not. Uh, that doesn't give you a lot of confidence they're going to be able to agree on anything because they're both waiting for the other guy to fold. Trump doesn't fold. Well, yes, he does. At the yes. end, that's the interesting thing.
1: Yes, he he has he does it repeatedly. Okay. he did it. He did it. U.S. Korea renegotiation. Correct. He did in the U.S. M.C.A. Okay, I stand okay. corrected. Yeah, he takes half a loaf. He's just not going to do it this way. I, what I read— what Can I, he afford to
0: fold with China no, when he's, when he's no, been no, the top No, and, yeah. and
1: that's what I took from the tweet is this is going to go on. Be prepared to ride this one out.
0: Well, and it, and it's actually not a bad
2: campaign strategy for him. Right? I,
1: I, I, the message is entirely no, coherent.
2: The, the, the dilemma he's got, though, is that he's put Huawei on the table. Yeah. And that has gotten him in trouble with his own right wing because the national security hawks, which are in both parties but are particularly in the Republican Party— are making a very simple point if it is a national security issue, then it should not be a bargaining chip right you know, if it if it really pres- if Huawei really presents a national security problem, then we should be taking care of that and defending ourselves. We should not be trading our security away. Uh, in the interest of, you know, another million bags of soybeans. So he's gotten attacked by Senator Rubio. He's gotten attacked by other Republicans and, of course, by the Democrats who will always attack. And that kind of limits his maneuvering room and and complicates the scenario for him. But
0: won't he just sort of, you know, swat them away too and say – yeah, but I'm the boss here and,
2: you know, you guys just fall in line like you always do. What he will say, and, and he said it and Secretary Ross said it too, is that we are not going to do anything with Huawei that will compromise our security. In other words, the only mm-hmm. exports that we we will approve are exports that don't matter. Uh, right now, yeah. and I've been going back and forth with someone on by email this morning on exactly that point, they're trying to figure out what that means uh, because they've got uh, – fifty or so license applications pending for people that want to export stuff to Huawei that's not covered by the, the general license that they they said you this my small stuff can go. Um, and they're trying to figure out whether they're going to say yes to these things or not. Uh, and they are – they're not in agreement. This, it's uh, confusing.
0: Well, at least you got a new director of national intelligence who might you know, say, hey, this is OK. We have a nominee at least. Nominee. <clears throat> yeah. Because the former – the guy who just stepped down was not going to say it was OK.
2: The guy who just stepped down occasionally spoke truth to power. We don't get that as much as we used to, and it's an example. His case is probably an example of what happens when you do in this administration. Well,
0: I mean, you bring up a really important issue, though, about the security hawks in both parties and Huawei, long time issue in security circles in the Pentagon that this is untouchable. You cannot do business with Huawei. This is doing business with um, the Chinese PLA. It's doing business with the Chinese version of the CIA. We can't well, look, do it. And, and which so, is, which so, is right, so how does he
1: how does he thread that needle? At the moment, he's stated the goal properly. He said the right thing, which is we're not going to let security compromise this. So we're, he's
0: just saying, don't worry about it. I well, got this.
1: But he's got he's to implement it. And so how this gets operationalized is important. And that's what will we'll be under scrutiny. So we're going to see what happens.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess it comes down to do the Republicans in the Senate really end up trusting him on national security?
2: Well, all evidence so far is they won't stand up to him, right? Beyond a single-digit number of them, so I think he gets away with it in the yeah, end. He gets away with it, but there are complaints, and and there are people inside the administration who share that view. So that's why there's a little war going on over what do we do about these licenses? Yeah, what are we license do we license? We say for, yes don't or do we? we say no? Right. If they say yes to any of them, you know. There will be Democrats that will complain. Uh, there will probably be Republicans that complain. So yes, they have to, you know, it's a, like you said, they have to thread that needle. And, and, it's it's a, and it's,
0: again, it's a legitimate bipartisan complaint. It's not. Uh, this isn't political.
2: Not this part of it is. Yes, this part of it. And, is and not. it's a
1: good place for congressional oversight as
2: well. I mean, this is one of the reasons congressional oversight can work. But they won't stand up to him. They just—they yeah. didn't stand up to him on the Saudi arms sales. Right. You know, they just sustained three vetoes. Uh, I don't think they're going to stand up to him on this. So nobody in the Congress is going to stand up to him. Yeah, the onesies, onesies, and twosies here and there. But yeah. you know, the big ones in the Senate that stood up to him were Bob Corker and and uh, Jeff Flake. Thank you, Jeff Flake. A senior moment there. And look what happened to them—they're gone.
0: Well, as Pete Clemenza said in The Godfather, won't be seeing them no more. Well. No.
1: And <laughs> yes. Look, yeah. Um, <laughs> as, a, as a matter of the Constitution, the, uh, the the legislature is supremely powerful, but only when it gets act together. Yeah. With two thirds with two thirds of the votes in the Senate and House, you can do anything. Okay. And those uh, but, votes but that's do what not exist. Not at the moment. There's not, not two thirds. That's right.
0: All right. So China is going to be continued with Trump, and we don't know
2: where it's going. Probably nowhere this week. Uh, I think at the best they're going to do, <laughs> I mean, once again, they're sort of arguing over the shape of the table, which is a, you know, shows my age, Vietnam analogy. But they are arguing over which text they're going to work from.
0: Yeah, what are you hearing from the negotiations, actually? What's going on there on the ground? Is there any
2: real progress? Are they, how are they interacting I don't with each other? I don't think anybody's said anything yet. The I haven't ex- seen any reports. The expectation was that there are sort of, three texts out there. The one that we that existed before the end of April, the one that where the United States went farther and, and put in a whole bunch of uh, more significant things that we thought at the time the Chinese had agreed to. That was the second one. And the third one was the one the Chinese came back with, which was kind of a red line version, where they X'd out all the things that they didn't agree to. And the first step, if you're going to restart, is... Which, We're, which text are we going to use? From, from where, where we do start. we start? Yeah, right. where do we start from? And hopefully they are going to decide that today and tomorrow. Well, we'll have to see,
0: and I'm sure we'll be talking about this again next week. This, is not, this issue is not going away. Let's shift gears. Let's talk about the Democrats. Let's talk about Elizabeth Warren, who has some trade plans out there. What do you know she about that, She has a Bill? plan.
2: What, what's her plan, Bill? Well- Uh, I give her credit because she's really the first one that has come out with something that is more than Trump is doing it wrong. Yeah. Uh, And he's not building coalitions, which is what they all say. But that's not a policy. She has a policy. And uh, it's a big document. But the essence of it is that she is going to uh, limit future trade negotiations, new ones, and initiate old ones on the basis of whether or not the other countries, or country or countries, have met nine specific uh, criteria uh, that she has. And they tend to be progressive agenda criteria, that they've accepted ILO labor standards, that they've, uh, they're part of the Paris Accord, that they've, uh, they've signed various international agreements to stop corruption, uh, and there's you know a bunch of other things that are all good goals, that I think people would would uh, <clears throat> would say are, are appropriate. Um, so she's, you know, set that up, and I'll get to the consequence in a minute. She has a transparency piece. Everything's going to be in the public record. Negotiating documents are all going to be published. Advisory committees are going to be beefed up that uh, I think she said they're not going to go forward on agreements unless the advisory committees agree that they should go forward. Unanimously. Unanimously. Yes. Agree that they should go forward on the agreements. So there's a whole transparency component. Um, And then she's got a couple other interesting little things. Um, I thought the most interesting one, because it's kind of uh, counterintuitive, is that she also wants to um, change the WTO rules to permit – Certain kinds of subsidies, and the main one would be green subsidies. You know, subsidies for renewable uh, energy and things like that, which is a huge irony because if they did that, the big winner would be China, uh, because China is pouring billions into uh, subsidies for solar panels, for example, uh, and renewable energy, and. You know, I hope somebody, uh, if if this comes up during the debates tonight and tomorrow, I hope somebody asks you, why do you want to give the Chinese this giant gift? Uh, Because that's what that would be. Well, because
0: today's Tuesday as we speak. And so tonight is the first of the two Democratic debates. Tonight, Warren and Sanders and Buttigieg and as Scott pointed out uh, before we started, Marianne Williamson is also part of the debates tonight. So this this is uh, this
1: is night one of the Democratic debates. Yes, CNN's counting down the hours. Now, look, my guess is this this won't come up. But first, I want to credit Senator Warren for doing a good job of policy development uh, among all the candidates. Uh, I think Senator Warren and, and her campaign have done the best job of fleshing out the policy issues, and uh, she's she's sort of a policy wonk herself. So I actually like that, and I'm I, I'm uh, I'm I would- uh, Congratulator for doing it. Uh, it is. It is. It has some some amusing characteristics uh, that that we've seen before. It's Trumpian and Jr. Uh, well, first, it is Trumpian because she comments on the idea of using the the leverage inherent in the size and strength of the U.S. economy to get our trading partners to do what we want them to do. So that part is very Trumpian.
0: Uh, Not to mention it's Trumpian that she's making trade a presidential campaign issue.
1: Well, yes, and uh, but there's there there's some amusing things about it. One of them is the idea of negotiating. In public, I, I, I really, I always get a chuckle out of that. I do recall a, a former president or former cam, uh, candidate talking about uh, when we do health care legislation, all the meetings are going to be in public. We're going to have everything; it's going to be completely transparent. So, think about yeah. how
0: exciting that would be for the trade guys, though. <laughs> well, we, we can we I, I think, do play by play. I think within well, a year yes, or so, that would we'll, be
1: frightening. Within a year or so, we'll <laughs> you we'll could be, be able Don
0: to, Meredith, I could be Al Michaels. And Scott would be who? Are Howard. you kidding? Madden?
2: Yeah, John oh, Madden. Oh, that's right. <laughs> of course. Yeah, my yeah, hero. Yeah, I case, think we're but, showing our age. Let's here, go you know? to the let's go to the chalkboard,
1: <laughs> the coach's chalkboard. Yes. <laughs> but in any case, look, I think within a year or so of this policy, we will have launched negotiations with Finland. But I'm not sure who else is actually good enough to meet all these well, objectives. That's,
2: yeah, I was going to say that. I don't think you're going to see a single negotiation under these criteria. Yeah. partly because she is as Trump does, grossly exaggerating American leverage you know, what we have tended to do with trade agreements is try to negotiate the agreement to help the Americans, and in the process, to help the foreigners do exactly the things she wants to do, better customs procedures, uh, rule of law, non-corrupt administrative procedures. But those grow out of the increased business contact and the linkages that go back and forth, the American presence in these countries that are insisting on clean procedures and rule of law. If you say you have to do all that first, before we're going to do everything, before we're going to do anything, I think the other countries are going to say, "Why?" Yeah, exactly. You know, we are not the biggest. We are not the only country in the world.
1: Yeah, right. Not to mention that many of the standards that she's aspiring to, particularly in the area of labor rights. Okay, are areas which we would have a very difficult time as the United States uh, entering into a reciprocal commitment. Uh, for instance – Well, she's, she's for that. She, well, uh, she wants me. to eliminate child labor. Okay, But there are 11 states – last I checked the data – 11 states where there is no minimum age for agriculture labor in, in the United States. Eleven states. Eleven states, no minimum age for working on farms.
2: Ah, Occas- tempted to ask which ones they are. But well, I won't, o- but o- I won't.
1: Occasionally, there sure are restrictions imagine, on yeah. these are family members so you have to be a member of immediate or, yeah. or family. But but the age restriction is not there. So we because it's a state it's a matter of state regulation and state law. Uh, we have we have more lax standards than what we're demanding our trading partners, which is re- Congress resists that because they want to make demands which we can accept reciprocally. Okay, and so uh, it's one of those things. Some of this stuff will, will fall apart on the early days, but uh, overall thematically, at least as a position.
2: I don't think anybody will take debate. I mean, it, yeah. it will take debate. It's kind of a, a failed policy uh, in advance. I guess I fundamentally disagree with it conceptually. If it differs from Trump in one big respect in that his goal – is to alter the trade balance in our favor.
1: Yes, to rebalance commercial to rebalance issues. Rebalance
2: commercial issues. Her goal is to get these countries to do all these progressive things, which would be good, but it's a, different, it's a different goal. And she, to her great credit, I think, is not saying the tariffs is the tool, which is the only tool that he's got, but she wants to use negotiations as leverage to get there, which I, I, think, I think won't work. But her other thing that has bothered me from the beginning is that, that uh, the culprit is different. For Trump, you know the bad guys are the foreigners who've been taking advantage of us for 50 years, and all of his predecessors who were too stupid to know that uh, for gave her, away the store yeah right. yeah for her the, 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 the bad guys are the big multinational corporations that are cheating the workers and using existing trade agreements to exploit everybody. Uh, so I've, I, this has led me to conclude, you know, whereas Trump is lost in the 50s as far as the economy is concerned, she's she really lost in the 30s. This is class warfare. Yeah.
0: So let me ask this. Tonight during the debate, given who she's paired up with, is anybody in this debate going to be able to talk trade with her?
2: Buttigieg, Maybe. Uh, in tonight's conference, Biden would be the one that would ultimately have to go toe-to-toe with her because he has a legacy of a different policy. He was, yes. spent eight years with Obama, right. a lot of years on the Hill. He voted for all these agreements. Yeah. He's defended all these agreements.
1: She and Bernie would agree. So that there's, there's right. no no conflict there. So
2: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what he says, though, because yeah. him if, agreeing if with her is kind of... Yeah. doesn't do much for, it, him. It do it hurt, for it, him. It doesn't do anything for him uh, yeah. in, in the polls. I think Eventually, you're going to have her and, and Biden on the same platform, and then there'll be an interesting argument. I think in this particular context tonight, Delaney will disagree with her. I don't know that people will, will be paying attention. I hope they are, but I know his views are different. But a judge's views are different, and he'll probably be disagreeing with her if this comes up. Yes. I, I'm inclined to think it will come up. Uh, not, I mean, she'll bring her thing up. I think the issue will come up because they're in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, and because it didn't come up the last time. And a lot of people. someone ought that.
0: to ask them about trade, especially since she's pulled out this plan, uh, especially since Trump's dominating the headlines with it on a near daily basis. Uh, it's got to be an issue. It, it's inescapable. Discussion.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's we can say she's, you know, she's injected it into the campaign. And I, I mean, she has. But but somebody had to because Trump. Trump's going to run on this. Trade and immigration are his two big issues. Correct. uh, Whoever the Democratic nominee is in the end is going to have to have a trade policy. It may not be be Warren's. And be
1: able to draw a contrast.
0: And like you said, if you're sitting in Detroit, you want to know uh,
2: what's going on with trade. Yes. Well, particularly automobiles, which I don't think her plan specifically addresses. Does
0: she address it?
1: No.
2: Ah. Well, She's got a hole in her well, plan it's then. Big
1: it, it's big picture.
2: So she doesn't talk 232 in her plan. She doesn't get down to that. I think it's... she does not approve of the use of that, but I have to go back and look. I mean, she is, she's been clear that she doesn't think tariffs are the appropriate tool. She's into negotiations. Uh, yes, and she thinks that we have leverage to get well, the things that she wants. On her terms. On yeah. her terms.
0: Who do you think the next Democrat is to pull out a trade plan?
2: Is it Biden? That's a good question. Um, Maybe it's Kamala Harris. It may be – well, it, she doesn't have a profile on this issue. Um, the most likely one is one of the one or two percenters trying, Tim to, Ryan. trying to attract attention. Yeah. Uh, Tim Ryan would be, there. Trumpian would be a Trumpian trade one. policy. Sure. Congressman from
1: Youngstown. Yeah. yeah.
2: And if you're from Ohio, you need a trade policy. That's yeah. for sure. Somebody asked me earlier, uh, I guess yesterday, you know, will anybody disagree with Warren uh, if this comes up? And because Biden won't be there. I mean, he, I think he has no choice but to disagree with her. And I think Scott's right. Bernie won't. Right. Uh, but the others are going to you know, they're going to have to figure out how they want to play this. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they can just say, oh, she's right. I mean, keep in mind, though, I think what frustrates me about this a little bit, too, is 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 if you look at polling of Democrats on this, you know, they're more supportive of trade agreements than Republicans are. Yes. Uh, and they're more supportive of trade and they're more supportive of globalization than Republicans are. And the part of the population that is most supportive are young people and minorities. This is the Democratic base. She is flying in the face of the Democratic base. She is appealing. And now this may not be a mistake. She is appealing to the AFL-CIO vote. She's appealing to the, the, all, those, the labor all those labor guys that voted for Trump, right. uh, which may be smart. But it, uh, in terms of Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, and those states, uh, in terms of the larger Democratic base, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be uncomfortable with what she's talking about.
0: Do you see her getting any traction with Trump-type voters? I don't know. I don't think so. She hasn't yet. But you know, look, it's early. It is early. And you know, like you said, she's a policy wonk. This is what she does. She puts out policy papers. And she talks about policy.
2: Right. The people that seem to succeed there are people who say, I'm one of you. I'm just like you. That doesn't have to be true, but that's that's what they say. I think Trump persuaded them that he under, he got them, he understood them. Biden will say the same thing, that I'm one of you, and he's got actually a record that, that suggests that. Um, she can. She has some things in her past that she can cite as well, but it's going to be harder for her to say that and make it convincing, I think. And,
0: and she – again, like you said, it's back to the 30s. She wants to go after corporate America and make an enemy of corporate America – and, and say, she sort
2: of forgets, you know, the corporate America, I'm not always a defender of corporate America, but they employ millions of people.
0: Millions. You know, and all including those people are Detroit. workers,
2: including in Detroit. So basically, yeah, she's going after Ford. She's going after GM. Uh, she's going after Boeing. She's going after Chrysler MCA, uh, FCA. That's a lot of workers. Yeah. And I mean, maybe they don't, maybe they'll think she's going after management and not them. But if, she's, if what she's going to do is going to hurt the company. It comes back on them eventually. It's, it's interesting. I
0: mean, this, this, the way this plays out um, during the campaign and during the election season is going to be interesting to watch and for us trade guys, fascinating because we're going to get to see our favorite issue play out in living color through earned media uh, you know, on the airwaves. That's why it's good to be a trade guy. Good to be a trade guy. Perfect time. To our listeners, if you have a question for The Trade Guys, write us at tradeguys at csis.org. That's tradeguys at csis.org. We'll read some of your emails and have The Trade Guys react to it. We're also now on Spotify, so you can find us there when you're listening to The Rolling Stones or you're listening to Tom Petty or whatever you're listening to. Thank you, Trade Guys. Thanks, Andrew. You've been listening to The Trade Guys. A CSIS podcast.